Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Kim Rose, a registered dietitian from Florida who is a clinical dietitian by day and a YouTube star by night. A while ago when I was doing research on where registered dietitians get their information about our profession, of course I started with an internet search and Kim Rose was a key part of the results. Kim has a standout presence on YouTube by hosting her own channel filled with informative and educational videos for all things registered dietitian. Her passion for the profession and her creativity radiates in her videos as well as her online presence. She is a massive influencer for registered dietitians by providing answers to many common questions new and seasoned dietitians may have. She also shares more about her clinical role at the acute care facility she works at and how this also influences her video content. Please enjoy my conversation with Kim. I'm really excited that we finally got to connect. We had a few technical difficulties Mm. in the past. So today is our day and just schedules trying to line up. So I'm glad that we're finally connecting. Me too. And I'm excited to learn more about you. And um, you're just like, I, when I remember when I first came across you on Instagram, like this is one passionate dietitian. And I loved (laughs) that about you because you just radiate excitement and just tons of passion for our profession. So I want to know more about you and how you kind of got interested in the field and kind of walk me through the beginning of your journey. Okay. So honestly, I am not a traditional dietitian. I did not even know what a dietitian was until my sophomore year of college. So I always thought I was going to be a physical therapist. That was, (laughs) that was where I was headed. And then for the physical therapy track, You had to take, you know, a few metabolism, a few nutrition classes. And then my uncle said to me, Kim, why don't you become a dietitian? And I'm like, a diet what? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. So then he was like, yeah, just double major and see where it, where you end up with it. So all throughout my undergraduate, I was double majoring in um, exercise science. That's the track to physical therapy as well as dietetics. So after I graduated, I said to myself, well, gee, I kind of like this food and nutrition thing. Um, And then during that time, the year that I graduated, uh, physical therapy had changed from a master's degree to a mandatory doctorate degree. And Mm -hmm. I said to myself, I do not have the money to pay for this. And I refused. I absolutely refused to take out a loan. So I said, you know what? I am going to take a year off. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to see where the winds will blow me. And then I'm going to apply to a PT school as well as my dietetic internship and see where I, I land. Long story short, I ended up getting into the VA at St. Louis, um, in St. Louis, Missouri. Because again, my whole entire plan was I refuse to pay any money for my education. And yeah, that's, and then I just, that's where I, how I became a dietitian. And I kind of feel like, go ahead. 
Oh, so you actually, you kind of like threw the caution to the wind and applied for both. And so you obviously got the dietetic internship and that was in St. Louis, correct? Correct. And you didn't have to pay for that? Was it a paid internship? Yeah, it was through the VA. So the VA internships, yeah, they're all paid for. So they actually paid me to come. Yeah, it is. It is. So like all my living expenses, my travel, it was just really all paid for. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Are you, do you ever have PT flashbacks that you think that would be something you want to kind of still get into? Honestly, no, because being in the profession, I I just love it. Absolutely love it. And I do work closely with physical therapists because I do work at an acute care facility. And when I see all that they have to go through, like, of course, it's lovely learning the anatomy and the physiology of the muscles and the bones. But I'm like, no, food is my passion. Food is my favorite topic. Let's talk about food. What are you eating? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can see. I mean, I can tell that you like it's interesting, though, because you would think that you had this lifelong passion for dietetics and it's not something that you initially had. It wasn't even on your radar. Exactly. Exactly. And also growing up in a because I'm originally from Jamaica, growing up in a traditional Caribbean home when I told my family I'm going to be a dietitian. They were like, what is that? Only <laughs> thing we knew were doctors and nurses and physical therapists. So, mm-hmm. you know, bringing this into my culture, it's just quite unique. Even my, um, some of my family members, which still live in Jamaica, they were saying, you know, it's very few and far between that you will find a dietitian in Jamaica. Like it just doesn't exist. All the nurses take over the role of the dietitian. I'm like, well, there's some work to do there. Right. That might be. I. It's interesting that you say that because my I work in a grocery store and my seafood uh-huh. manager is from Jamaica. Mm. He was telling me that exact same thing that he, there is dietitians are not a thing in Jamaica. Yeah. At all. Right. Exactly. So that's interesting. So that could be something Maybe Kim Rose could pioneer in her dietetics career. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So how was your, how was your internship? Did you enjoy it? Did you like that whole process and that whole part of your journey? I did. My internship was only six of us um, compared to at the time, because I did my internship roughly eight years ago. Uh, at the time, there were my friends were in classes with 35 individuals and 20 individuals. So we actually had a ratio of two dietitians to every one student. Um, so it was a very small class, very intimate. And seeing that, I kind of felt like I was out the game a little bit because I took a one one year off to try to figure out what in the world I'm going to do. And also double majoring and focusing more on the physical therapy aspect of things. I felt as if I didn't know as much as my colleagues did when it, when it came to, um, fad diets and calculating Mifflin. I barely passed my clinical <laughs> dietetics disease and nutrition class, barely, barely passed it. But my internship director, <laughs> who I'm still in contact with today, to this day, I love her, Dr. Amy. You know, she was like, okay, Kim, um, yeah, let's let's take this step by step. And she just really 
motivated me to be a clinical dietitian because I was all about community dietetics before. Nothing's wrong with community dietetics, but I was just shying away from the math and the medical nutrition therapy aspect of it and nutrition prescription. I was just like, oh, what is this? This is horrible. What is this? (laughs) But being in that internship, having her and also the other dietitians work with me one-on-one, I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, and I tell everyone, oh, what internship are you going to? How about we try St. Louis, Missouri? I just, it was really an eye opener and how the dietitians, they work with you. They want you to pass the RD exam. They want you to excel in your profession. They keep in contact with you eight years later. I'm even in contact with some of my preceptors and it's just, it's amazing. It was an amazing experience. I just didn't like the cold. I'm not, I don't do I snow. Say. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was it hard for you to move? It was. Um, it was actually my first time moving so far away from Florida. Um, I think what I found the hardest was driving in the snow. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, that's something I'm still not used to. But You don't have to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I remember for my internship, I would wake up two hours early just to drive behind the snow trucks because I didn't have uh, <laughs> snow tires and I wasn't going to invest in any snow tires because I'm I'm frugal. Yes, that's okay. <laughs> and, yeah. And being like a student, you don't have that extra money just laying around. Um, so I would drive behind the snow trucks on the highway. <laughs> I was. I've done that before. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Completely understand. But I think it's great that it all was a very positive experience and you mm-hmm. still connected with so many people and they saw something in you that you really didn't see in yourself. Right. So that's an ex- amazing thing. Yeah, it really was. So after your internship, what what was the next step for you? So after my, well, during my internship, I got a job offer to come back to Florida in a rural area of Florida to work as the single site dietitian in one of the acute care hospitals, which is actually, I still have that job to this day. So my first job is still my current job. Wow. Yes. Yes, it is. My first job, I'm still in it, still in it. Um, but that means you chose wisely. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Everything just seemed to work out. I'm telling you, I had some favor on my side. So during my internship, um, probably six weeks before I graduated, I looked um, in Florida for different jobs and I applied for one, got the job, came to Florida and A day after moving back to Florida, I started my job and I wasn't even an RD yet. I was not even an RD. I was just RD eligible. Um, I know I'm telling you, my story is so crazy. (laughs) I was RD eligible and three months um, into me working, I took the RD exam and I passed, which I'm very grateful that I had that opportunity because one of my weak points was the medications. And I promise you, my whole entire RD examination was like a pharmacology quiz. I was just like, okay, Solumedrol, yeah, that raises blood sugar. 
Yeah, um, Remron, that opens up your appetite. <laughs> you know, I was, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm grateful I had that experience. So, um, yeah, I'm still in that same job. That's so interesting because, you know, it's, I feel like our profession, we either stay at a job for a really long time or mm. we have multiple jobs in between. But I think that's great that you found such a good, cozy place for you to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I also so what is feel your like... Prior- oh, go I'm ahead. sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I also um, have had other jobs as well. Um, so at one point, I became a um, per diem renal dietitian. And my reason for doing that was because I realized at the hospital, I was getting a lot of... Um, dialysis patients. And I remember that rotation was horrible. I was just lost. Um, so I said, you know what? Let me sharpen my skills because I'm an acute care dietitian. I need to know what nutrition prescription I'm prescribing to these patients. So for about a year and a half, maybe two years, I was a renal dietitian. And then simultaneously, I held down three jobs at one time. I was a, I was a nursing home dietitian just simply because I wanted to learn like, okay, What does a nursing home dietitian do different from a renal dietitian from a hospital dietitian? So I feel like I got my my hands wet in all of those areas so that I could, you know, expand my knowledge because I've always felt like, and of course, this may be my imposter syndrome. I'm putting myself out there, guys. It may be my (laughs) imposter syndrome, but I always feel like, okay, Kim, um, you should know this, but you really don't know this. And you need to know this because maybe someone else out there knows this. So I feel like I've always tried and tried and tried to just know everything that there could be about clinical dietetics, any clinical aspect of it. Well, and I, why not get paid for it? Right? I know, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, a, I mean, that's genius. I'm sure you were exhausted, oh, but yes. Don't you, I think that you feel probably the same way I do is that personal experience working in it is the best way to learn. Correct. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. And again, get paid for it while you're doing it. Right. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Hopefully you got some sleep in that whole process though, too. Oh, that was, uh, it was the sickest year for me, but I did get sleep. I did get rest. And then I felt as when I learned everything I needed to learn, when I realized that I wasn't growing anymore, then I let the PR in positions go and I still sticked with the hospital. So, I mean, That's knowledge is key. Yes. Yeah. Knowledge is key. Knowledge is power. So I felt like, you know, yeah, I'm not learning anything anymore. So it took me two years to fully learn everything in those areas. And then I just let it go. So, yeah, I guess that's that's a way to make oneself more marketable. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you're educating yourself. And I think that's something that we can get kind of cozy on. Like we, we're like, oh, I went through my internship. Mm-hmm, I know everything mm-hmm. there is to know, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily true. Right, right. Because science is always changing, always. So all the things... Now, I know that most people, they're going to recognize your name because you do a lot of other things besides work in an acute care facility, which we'll go back to in a second. But when did you start getting interested in 
education videos and just kind of supporting that dietitian message and that nutrition message on social media. So a couple of years ago, I'm a big YouTube fan. And I would sit down for hours and watch other people's YouTube videos. Nothing really related to dietetics, but hey, let me be nosy and see what's going on in your life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, someone had said to me, Kim, instead of wasting all this time watching other people's YouTube videos, why don't you create a YouTube channel yourself? And for about a year, you know, I just pushed it back into a little box in my head and I ignored it until I said, you know what? Let me just do that. So I did my research before starting my YouTube channel. And I realized that there's not much dietitians on YouTube. There are some, but there is not really like a a focus on the profession. There's not a consistent focus. So my whole entire goal creating my YouTube channel was to bring awareness to the profession. So I first started out trying to do culinary videos, cooking and Um, food presentation because dietetics is an art as well as a science and I realized that was not my strong point like I can cook but to make you know the lighting and the saturation and the correct angle and the sunlight of the pictures that is not my forte at all (laughs) so I said you know what why not make videos on what I do as a dietitian the different formulas I use to calculate BMI, the different patients I encounter, medical nutrition therapy, tube feeding calculations, um, parental nutrition calculations. So I just started doing videos like that. And I realized that my subscribers were growing. Um, People would email me questions, um, asking me for resources. So I decided to create educational videos, um, which to my surprise, I never imagined would be shown in universities and classrooms and colleges uh, for the next generation of dietitians coming up. I remember speaking to a um, dietitian friend of mine, and she's not a clinical dietitian. She's more of like an informatics dietitian. But I realized, she said, you know, Kim, if we do not create resources that go along with the um, current generation, which is everything so tech savvy, then someone else will mm-hmm. do it that is not a dietitian. And, you know, I feel like as dietitians, we're constantly fighting for recognition where, you know, we're the ones that have gone through the internship. We're the ones that have gone through the training. And you have individuals out there that are not giving, yeah. s- giving sound advice. Their advice is actually wrong. Their nutritional <laughs> advice Um, So I was like, well, yeah, that's a good idea. So I have created these educational videos to help the next generation of dietitians, as well as bring attention to the whole entire field of dietetics. And you're very, I feel like you're very successful at it as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I, I agree with, I agree with you that, you know, most of our space where dietitians are, it's kind of more of, of revolved around food and cooking yeah. and recipes. And I feel like I really resonate with yours because I don't cook and I'm not good at it. <laughs> right. And I'm not going to make videos about it because I'm terrible at it. But mm-hmm. I, I do appreciate learning from other dietitians about dietitian stuff, like directly related to our field. Exactly. Exactly. 
So where do you find time in between a full time, assuming a full time job at the acute uh-huh. care facility and then doing all of your other side hustle type activities? Yeah. Where, do you, where do you find the balance with all of this? So that is actually the most popular question that I get. Like, how do you have the time? So there are a few ways that I carve out time. Number one, I wake up really early in the morning. Typically, I'm up by 4.30. So because I wake up so early, I go into work very early. And because I go into work early, I get off very early. (laughs) Yes, that's nice. Yes. So usually about 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm home. So I have my entire afternoon to work on videos, work on scripting, answer emails, um, collaborate, um, do podcasts such as this one. Um, (laughs) And then um, I exercise and go to bed and then do it all over again. But my routine of waking up early is not something that, you know, I've just been doing. I mean, ever since my father, I, I, I attribute it to him. My father's a military man. So mm-hmm. he had my brother and I in our regimen that I just never broke. I just sticked with it because it works. Works for me. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And do you, do you feel like when you think about, um, you know, your videos and things that you do outside of work, does it feel like work or is it just something that you just thoroughly enjoy doing and it doesn't feel like work at all? I thoroughly enjoy doing it. It doesn't feel like work to me because to me, it's my outlet. Um, if I did not have that outlet, I would probably be doing something else like maybe a marathon or CrossFit or some knitting, sewing. Um, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's a way for me to express my creativity because I do have that scientific side, but I also like art. I also like colors. I like, um, designing. I like creating. And I think, you know, to have that balance, that's where YouTube comes in for me because I can't be all numbers, calculator, lab coat, pen and paper, glasses, 24-7. I need to have Mm -hmm. a creativity. And that's where Instagram comes in as well. I love to see colors. Um, I joke with my friends all the time because I have nieces and I'm always watching cartoons with them. And it's not because like, oh, you know, I'm a kid at heart, but it's because, okay, where's that creativity coming from? Like watching Steven Universe can give me an idea for a YouTube video and it's it's crazy. Hmm. It's crazy. That's interesting. I, it is. So I'm gonna tell you my my next video coming up, which will probably be live uh the end of the month. So um one big thing that's going on right now in clinical dietetics is nutrition focused physical findings. And I was watching a cartoon with my nieces and they were talking about the body. And I said to myself, gee, I want to do a video on nutrition-focused physical findings, but I'm not sure how to create the video. So watching this cartoon gave me the idea of how to artistically create the video so that my audience will understand. That's amazing. It's crazy. You just, you just have, like you said, you have that artistic side. So you probably, you tune into that type of stuff a little bit more right. too. Exactly. You're aware. Right. And I mean, ideas just come from anywhere, anywhere. And you do use a lot of awesome color. I think that's what also draws people in is just the color. And I 
I won't say quirkiness, but you just have this total thing that people are just drawn into. I think like I, awesome. the black hole, the black hole of YouTube. <laughs> yeah. I totally will fall into that with your videos. I'll just kind of click through them because I just think they're so interesting. And I always Thank learn something you. from you too. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so when you kind of like you're talking about your day, it starts early. Tell me about a day at work. Like kind of what does a day at work look like for you in a acute care facility? Sure. So I get to work um, sometimes 530, sometimes six o'clock in the morning. And the first thing that I do, um, seeing I am the clinical dietitian, I'm the only clinical dietitian. Um, I'm kind of also like the second in command for the department besides my director. I go into the kitchen, make sure that the breakfast line has everything it needs. I don't need to sign off on any um, substitutions, make sure that the allergies are recognized by the cook. And then I go into my office and I look through my consult who I need to see. So after filling out my um, sheet of who I'm going to see, if it's an initial consultation, a follow-up, if it's a tube feed or enteral um, nutrition, parental nutrition, then I start to look through the charts. And that will take me about, if I'm fast, hour and a half. If I'm slow, it can be three hours or depending mm-hmm. on the complexity of the patients as well. Mm-hmm. So then after that, I head upstairs uh, to actually see all the patients on all the units. Um, so our hospital does not have a pediatric unit or an obstetrics unit. We just have med surge, ICU, and ortho. So I see the patients. Um, I gather, you know, speak to them, interview them, and also speak to the nurses to see what other information can be gleaned related to their overall plan of care. So then after that, I come downstairs and it's about lunchtime now. So I make sure that my um, my staff, which is serving the food to the patients, if I need to communicate anything to them related to a diet change, because I do have dependent order writing privileges. So basically dependent order writing privileges are I'm allowed to go in and change the texture, change the diet add a supplement or take away a supplement. And I do that freely and the physician just has to sign off. So seeing that I have been there for eight years, the physicians do not question what I do. They just allow me to be me, <laughs> which is good. That's great. Yeah. Which is really good. Um, so I communicate anything with them related to um, therapeutic diets. And then I go in my office and I document on... Um, the patients that I have seen and my documentation um, that takes, if I'm quick, an hour and a half, (laughs) if I'm slow, (laughs) about two and a half hours. So then after that, after I'm done there, it's about time for my catering staff to take a break. So after they, before they take a break, rather, I'd like to have a little meeting with them review therapeutic diets to make sure that there's no mistakes, see if they have any questions, concerns that they need to voice to me related to nursing interaction or patient family interaction. Um, I handle their concerns um, or give them a quiz or educate them or do an audit or do a test tray. And then afterwards, um, walk in the kitchen again, make sure everything is going well for lunch. I go out in the cafe 
uh, to make sure that my cafe personnel have everything that they need because we do serve um, the family members as well as other patrons that come to the facility. Go back in my office, um, answer emails, do any type of, there's a, a in-house project that I'm doing, make tracking all my patients that are NPO to make sure that they are, their diets are resumed at an adequate time. I eat lunch mm. and then I, I go home. So my oh days my are actually like jam packed, um, which is good for me because I get bored really quickly, <laughs> really quickly. So I like to be up and moving um, and just have something to do at each and every single moment until I go home where I can uh, unwind, relax, <laughs> let my, yeah, let my artistic side come out. What is your favorite thing about clinical? Is there a certain area that you like a lot or do you like all of it? What is it that draws you to clinical? So to begin, I, as a general practitioner, dietitian, I was afraid of everything. <laughs> I was, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, uh, because I always felt, you know, that imposter syndrome, you don't know enough, Kim, you don't know enough. Um, so it wasn't until I decided to become a certified diabetes educator that I realized, well, gee, I like this stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, not so much the medication aspect because medications, they're always a struggle for me to still remember. But just the food aspect of it, it it's so surprising how many people do not know how to eat with diabetes. And a lot of people think, oh, you know, I'm going to have to change my diet. So I'm just going to, quote unquote, ignore the condition. And, you know, I tell people it's not a diet. Don't think of it as a diet. Think of it as a lifestyle change. So case in point, yesterday I had a patient uh, newly diagnosed and, you know, he was kind of beat him up, beating up himself a little bit. And then when I sat down with him and I discussed the um, nutrition plan with him, he was saying, gee, that's not so bad. Then why does everyone make it seem like it's all difficult? And this is where it goes back to misinformation that's on the internet, misinformation mm -hmm. that, you know, you may be getting from someone else in the community. Um, so I really, really love my diabetic population. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I want people to see it's not as hard as, as, as society makes it seem. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. If you ignore it, yeah, it can be difficult. But if you're on your game and you really hone in on the diet and the medication aspect and the exercise aspect of it, it's, it's a way of life. Is that a, is that a pretty, is that a big part of your population at your facility? Oh, yes. 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 Yes, it is. Definitely. And what's kind of the eight is your, your age population? What is it yes. like? Is it kind so, of a mix or is it more of a baby boomer? So my age population is so funny. It's, I have narrowed down the age population. A couple years ago, I took a survey. So the majority of clients that I see are women 65 years old to 70 years old. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. And that's probably maybe just more of like the location of where you live in Florida. It is. Yeah. Cause I live in a huge retirement community. 
That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> do you like do you like the um, combination of clinical and working with the food service staff? I do. I really do because it it again allows me to dive into the artistic aspect. So a lot of a lot of times they would say, "Oh, Kim, you know, we're trying something new for the patients. Can you taste this and let us know?" And I'm I'm really into food. Really into food. I love it. <laughs> I love eating. Um, so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, what is it? Sure. And so, you know, I get to taste. I get to have input on the presentation of the food. I get to um, have say on the garnishes. I, I just love it. Oh, I think awesome. it's a good balance. You need to work with the staff. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. I'll be very bored if I was just clinical. Or if I was mm-hmm. just food service, because it would be, for me, it would be doing the same thing day in and day out. So really each day, depending on my caseload, I can choose if I want to spend more time in the kitchen or spend more time on the floor seeing patients. So I can sure. mix things up. That's, is it, do you find it, so I've kind of been at a clinical for a while. Is there mm-hmm. any particular challenges that you feel as a clinical dietitian are somewhat difficult to navigate? Mm. Yes. Um, Education of staff is always difficult. Um, And I think it's difficult because there at times can be a high turnover in the kitchen. So it's like a constant education. It's a constant trying to put what it is, what is in my brain into someone else's brain so that if <laughs> I'm not available, um, you can make an appropriate decision, which I feel like I've kind of spoiled the staff a little bit because everyone has my cell number. Everyone texts me all the time. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. I'm like, do you give out your cell phone number? <laughs> I do. I do. Everyone always texts me. And I mean, to be honest with you, I honestly like it because it allows me to see like, hey, you really don't want to give a Coumadin um, something that's not allowed on their diet. Um, Mm -hmm. And it allows me to see, hey, you're thinking you care about the patients as much as I care about the patients. So I know like a lot of people may be saying, well, gee, Kim, you know, your life just revolves around work. No, it actually doesn't. Um, for, you know, from 5.30 to one thirty or 2.30. Yeah, it does. But after that, I have my personal life as well. Sure, sure. Which, and I think that's important. Like you have to find that balance between the right. two. Otherwise, you'll burn out really fast. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And clinical, I think you can, do you ever feel, do you ever feel like you're kind of getting to that point where you might be a little burned out on clinical or do you still pretty feel like, Hey, I got a good balance. I feel like this is going really well. Um, huh. so I feel I'm in that point of my career where I have, I'm not learning much anymore. And that's where, that's my concern. I feel like. Being acute care, um, being a certified diabetes educator um, for the past seven, eight years, I was it was constant learning, 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 learning. And I love mm-hmm. that atmosphere. So I'm feeling like I probably need to go into more specialties 
um, maybe find a clinic that solely does diabetes education um, or another certification I'm currently studying for, which I hope to take the exam in the next two months, is a certified nutrition support dietitian, which will deal with like tube feedings and um, parental nutrition. So toughie. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, to me, I want to learn. I want to advance the career because, you know, when you're speaking to these doctors, they think you don't know anything. Some of them, some of them. Mm -hmm. But then when Mm -hmm. you tell them, well, you know, according to the Academy of Interim Parental Nutrition Guidelines published 2012, and they look at you (laughs) like, (laughs) well, hey, don't mess with you. (laughs) Exactly. So I think, um, I think that is, that's the only drawback. And also it's been my first job. So I feel like I have mastered, I have everything down to a, a T. So I feel like maybe getting something a little more spontaneous, something a little more not so predictable will be my -hmm. next area of focus. Oh, and I like that you're kind of choosing some, you know, maybe some specialties that you want to keep learning and you want to keep studying and get certified in because those aren't easy at all. And that's a constant. You take those, what, every five years? Yes. Yes. So you have to be on top of it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's interesting because I, clinical is, it's a tough field to be in for that purpose, for education Mm -hmm. purpose. And then also it's just, it kind of is draining just working with physicians, working mm-hmm, with other staff mm-hmm. members, and then yeah. just watching all the the health issues happening right. at your facility. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can it can definitely be draining, especially like the patient interaction. Oh, I I cry. I cry a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially with my ICU patients. Sure. Especially with them. Um, it can be it definitely in the beginning, I cried a lot, but then after a while, you know, you, you get used to seeing the really bad cases. I mean, I don't want to take the human aspect out of it, um, but, you know, you have to maintain your professionalism as well through the good times and the bad times. Just being real about the mm-hmm. profession. <laughs> yeah, and that's it's so important. I, I see you as is tough and like nutrition support is tough because it's usually very complicated Mm-hmm. people that you're working with and it's hard right. right it is and then working with family too you know in that situation like having families being a part of this of of the whole patient care thing too is a whole nother dynamic right right yeah it definitely sharpened my people skills because believe it or not <laughs> i'm i'm an introvert <laughs> i am so introverted um, so really? I would have never very, guessed that. I, you know, a lot of people tell me that. I'm very introverted. At Fancy, I went to Fancy and it was just like, oh, I need to get away and get a snack and a nap and just spend time by myself. But um, yeah, it definitely... Yeah. <laughs> it's intense. Yeah. Yeah. is intense. <laughs> well, I think it, I'm kind of like you, though. I love how you've kind of balanced out your life with your, you know, your social media presence and your, you know, your clinical presence. And I feel like maybe you can talk to this too. Like it's good to have something to do outside of your job that you're passionate about to Mm -hmm. keep you wanting to be in dietetics. Right. It can. 
Um, so, you know, I've, I've had a few dietitian friends which have, you know, as you said, gotten the burn, burnout. Um, and mm-hmm. I realized it was because, you know, they would spend long hours every day, all day, even on the weekends, just doing, you know, dietetics, 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 clinical, clinical, clinical. They didn't have an outlet until they began to think, well, you know, maybe I'm in the wrong field altogether. So definitely having a proper balance of knowing when to say no and an outlet to, you know, show your your spontaneity, your ingenuity um, is definitely an arena that I encourage all future current dietitians to do. Like, for instance, you do a podcast and I think that is awesome. I've looked into doing it. I can't bother with another learning curve right now. So. <laughs> Maybe someday. <laughs> Maybe someday. Um, I encourage you to do YouTube, though. It will be so simple to transfer. Anyway, that's another story off topic. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, just having a hobby that you love that is going to uplift others Um is I encourage everyone to to find their niche, to find the arena that they love and to go for it. The sky's the limit. If you don't start it, what's holding you back? The sky's the limit, right. honestly. Absolutely. So how do you come up with your, I mean, you have to have a good planning system to your videos and content mm-hmm. and creativity. How do you kind of start the process to making a video and, getting the content, like you said, there's a current issue that you kind of are addressing in your next video. How do you kind of gather that and start that process? So I gather my content from um, my job, actually. So seeing I am a single site dietitian, I actually am contracted to work. I work with one of the largest employers of dietitians. Um, I want to say globally, but I'm just going to say within the United States. So twice a week, they send out different newsletters on hot topics or, um, hey, we're having this webinar. And I glean and I look and I say, oh, yeah, that, wow, yeah, that's a good idea. Oh, yeah. How, how can I how can I present this to my community? Um, mm-hmm. Or that's one way that I gather my content. Another way is different students will email me and ask me questions that I realize, hey, I never really addressed that in a video before. So um, I gather content that way as well. Um, Something that I am doing now to kind of crunch down on my time. um, I used to film a video every week. Now I only film videos once a month. Um, And... The reason why I do that is because filming videos every week and editing every week can get very tedious. So mm-hmm. on Sundays, I film four videos in under an hour. And oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Four videos in under an hour. And that's it for the month. That is very good time management. let me tell you before it used to be when I first started it would take about four hours to do like four videos to do one video to do one video to do one video because there was a lot of verbal pauses and a lot of um edits and a lot of takes and I was just like oh no this is too time intensive 
So now I'm like, you know, videos are going to be under five minutes because I know I'm, I'm just like ADD. So <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, let me make these videos <laughs> as short as possible. Um, go straight to the point and give you the necessary information you need to learn. So my videos, four videos under an hour, but the editing is what really takes up the meat of everything. My editing used to take weeks, but now I have got it down to 30 minutes for one video. That's great. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's not as bad. Yeah. <laughs> do you use, uh, like certain software or what do you kind of use to help with your videos when you edit? So I use iMovie. I was actually thinking about investing in Final Cut Pro, but again, I'm frugal and Final Cut Pro costs yes. a lot of money. <laughs> so iMovie <laughs> is free on my computer. So I just simply use, use iMovie. That's, that's good to know. They yeah. look very perfect. They look very Final Cut Pro. In oh, my really? Opinion. Oh, great. Yeah. I love the feedback. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not savvy in editing, but I, you know, like when you see a video or when you listen to something, if it doesn't look good, it doesn't sound good. You just can't watch it. Right. Right. You have to pay attention to those details, but exactly what what is, what has been your um, most watched YouTube video? What kind of topic really drew a whole bunch of viewers? Oh, so interesting you mentioned that because I was actually thinking about this video last night when I was speaking to um, a future dietitian. So my most watched video is um, the title is Different Types of Dietitians. And so in that video, I go over the difference between a clinical, a community, a renal, a uh, sports dietitian, et cetera, et cetera. Just all the different um, arenas that a dietitian can work in because most people that I have met that are familiar with dietitians have their encounters in the hospital. And I'm like, no, that's just only one little branch. There's supermarket dietitians. Mm-hmm. There's a dietitian that works for NASA. There's one on ones on air force bases. So that is actually my most watched video. And if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember the exact number. It's about 20,000 views so far. That's, Oh, that's great. That's really great. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, don't quote me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will definitely link your YouTube channel in the show notes so people can definitely go check it out and check out her videos. Um, and I also think just sharing some of your clinical kind of how mm-hmm. your day looks and what you do as a clinical dietitian, I think that's very helpful for everybody that maybe has thought about clinical or would you know even wants to work in a different type of facility right thank you and i do have a video on that too a day in my life as a clinical dietitian and it's on my instagram you do i do yes i'll have to watch that i did clinical for eight years seven years so oh nice and my favorite one of my favorite things about clinical because i worked for a contract company too and we had to do test trays all the time mm-hmm, i love mm-hmm. doing test trays that was like my favorite <laughs> thing <laughs> yes definitely eat i know what i do i um i let my nurses eat with me so i take it on the floor and i'm like hey guys free food <laughs> Oh, yeah, it really because a lot of people have the perception that hospital food tastes bad. 
So I'm like, you know what? Let me break that perception and let me get let me get my nurses in on this so that they can taste the food. And then when the patients don't want to eat, they're right at the bedside. I'm like, hey, I have this. This is good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think hospital food is delicious. Me too. It has it. come a long <laughs> way, honestly. It, it to me, it's good. It and is good. What kind of system? What kind of system do you have at your facility? Is it a like a made to order kind of ordering we, system or we how does don't. your we have a um we have what is called a catering to you service so we already have like a preset menu preset food items and we always have like a always available just in case they don't want the options that we're serving so um the catering associates are actually the talking menu so they go to every single patient for breakfast oh. lunch and dinner um and take their food order and um that's then the nice. patient, yeah, gets their food within a matter of two hours. Perfect. How many, what size of hospital, how many bed hospital is your facility? Uh, it is 119 beds. Oh, so you can like really get to know then your doctors and your nurses and your yeah, staff really well. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a very small facility. And I like that. I like to, because I'm a people person, even though I'm introverted, I'm a people person. I may be quiet when you first meet me, but I'll be like all up in your face constantly. Once you get to know me. <laughs> once you get to know me. <laughs> so, I mean, I really like that because, you know, you build relationships and relationships are so important. Especially, you know, when someone's putting their health in your hands, it's so important. Mm-hmm. And like the people, your patients, but also like your coworkers, like the exactly. nurses and like, the physicians and I mean you you want to all be on the same team but exactly. sometimes it's a struggle right mm-hmm. exactly I mean even the doctors Why have their cell phone <laughs> do they do they, they do, do they reach out to you all the time we text back and forth <laughs> that's awesome that is so cool like I think that I would give my number out just so doctors would contact me <laughs> Like, please talk to me about this diet order, TPN or tube feeding. Right. Yeah. And I mean, how often and it's, do you get texts? Um, I was like, how, um, often, how often do you? Do I get the text? Um, okay. So yes. every day, every day I get a text from someone in the kitchen. Um, any particular um, staff member texts me every day from a physician um, it's more so my surgeons that text me. I really don't every once in a while, the nephrologist texts me, but more so my surgeons text me constantly. Um, and that's specifically for tube feedings as well as parental nutrition. They would say, Hey, Kim, I'm going to do a patient, having a patient come in for whatever, whatever procedure. Um, they have a high output fistula, just letting you know, I'm going to put them on tube feeding, go ahead, call the pharmacist and order. And, you know, I'll say, okay, sounds good. I need you to check their triglycerides before I order any lipids, you know? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And they're like, oh, sure. Just um, tell the, tell the um, pharmacist. Um, But I guess they constantly forget that I have dependent order writing privileges. And I'm like, okay, but you have to order it. I can't just, you know put it in the computer mm-hmm. and you not sign. And they're like, oh, okay. So it's really for them, I would say it's about one to two times a week I get a text message from them. 
And I'm sure that's, I think it's great that they do that. So I'm sure you welcome that. Yes, I do. I feel like I've spoiled them a bit. Because when I go on vacation, (laughs) that's when problems happen. (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you being so candid of just about everything. I mean, I know that you have videos, which I think are great that you share. But I also think it's great how you share, you know, just your passion for dietetics in so many different ways. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So I have a couple hard questions for you. Okay. To end our podcast. (laughs) So you have to share with me some of your foods that you enjoy. Ooh. (laughs) Okay. So I'm a big foodie. I enjoy any Indian food, any Indian and Jamaican food. I'm being partial to Jamaica because that's where I was born. But I just really Mm -hmm. love Indian and Jamaican food. It's just Mm. anything, anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Just as long as it has that curry on there, I'm good. You love it. That's cool. Yes. Do you make it yourself? Do you ever cook yourself? I do. Jamaican food at home? I do. Good for you. You're brave. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have uh, beverages that you enjoy? Beverages. Um... I would say water is currently my favorite beverage. I'm not really a beverage person. I'm more of like a food, food, food. Let me chew, chew, chew. But <laughs> yeah, I think water, water. I know that sounds boring. I know, but that's cold okay. water. <laughs> cold water is delicious. <laughs> it is. It is. Do you have um, a favorite color or favorite colors? Yes, my favorite color is blue. I have loved blue for the longest. Um, I just think it goes well with a lot of things. I like blue. That's a pretty color. But I'm thinking about changing it to orange. Oh, you're changing it to orange. I think Mm -hmm. so. I don't know. Because orange is like, you know, just spunky and out there. And I'm like, hey, that describes me. They'll be your backup dancer for your colors. (laughs) (laughs) do you have a favorite scent or smell yes i do currently it is fresh cream warm cashmere from philosophy it's um it's a fragrance and that's my current favorite smell Mm, i've not smelled that one i'll have to find it it's really good it's really good (laughs) And what brings you joy in life? What brings me joy? Um, I would say God, my, my spiritual beliefs. It's really God. That's awesome. Kind of like the guiding light to all the things that you do, huh? Yes, I'm telling you. He's in everything. <laughs> it's, it's all connected. May seem like a mess, but it's all connected. <laughs> <laughs> and it's your it's all yours. <laughs> yes. It is. My happy place, my happy mess. Well. <laughs> well, thank you again for for your time and sharing your story. And like I said, I'll link your YouTube channel and I hope people reach out to you if they ever have questions about clinical nutrition or all the things that you can share wisdom on. 
Uh, Thank you so much. And I appreciate you having me on your podcast. If you have not subscribed to Kim's YouTube channel, I highly recommend that you do. The link is listed in my show notes and you can also do a search for Kim Rose Dietitian on Google and it will definitely pop up. She has such quality content. I'm sure you will enjoy her videos or maybe you even know someone to share it with and they might even benefit from watching some of her videos. My website, annelizabethardy.com is where you can read my latest Embrace the Hell Yeah blog post as well as all my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to things we talked about during all my conversations with these great nutrition experts. My book is also available to purchase on my website, and I am announcing a new CEU component on the website very soon. I hope we can connect more on social media by finding me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at AnnaElizabethRD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.